everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Music Guy Podcast. This is episode number 52. My name is Al Rowe. I'm a music guy. I play guitar and I sing and I make records and I teach. My co-host coming at you from the heart and soul of this province, Whitby, Ontario, is Mr. Michael Heves. Welcome to the show. You're not a red zone. zone. Well, that remains to to be seen. Of the lambs thing there, Uh, and I said I swear, Uh, and I'm sure it's not going to make it into the final. I don't know if we allow swearing, but it's just it's too soon. You know what I mean? I see. You know when he gets in front of the mirror? I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen it. Uh, Oh, yeah, Clarice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the guy who says uh, puts the lotion on the skin. Oh. I've yeah, heard that but quote. It's, it's a disturbing thing. It's it's a, you know. Anyways, yeah. Uh, our special guest today. Bill. Happy to have him back on the show. Recurring uh, guest in front of the show is uh, drummer, producer, uh, handsome fella, all around great guy, great musician, Mister Rich De Silva. Thank you, thank you. Hey. Wow. Am I um, am I the uh, most? Uh, what do you call it? I've been back the most out of all the. Uh, I think you yeah, are the most. I think so. I'm uh, at yeah, three, three now. Yeah, three. Yep. Okay, this is good. This is good. Good for my brand. You know. There you go. It's good <laughs> for your brand. Um, where are you? Where are you podcasting from now? What, what's What's going on in here? Where am I today? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Today I'm uh, I'm in my personal drum studio. I like that. Uh, yeah, I I don't have uh, an interface at home anymore, so. Every, everything's built. I have like a rack. I'm looking at it. You guys can't see it, but uh, I have like a rack unit now with um, a bunch of gear in it. And uh, so I don't want to unscrew it and go home. And actually, it's quieter here. Really? Yeah, so, yeah, I don't have the pup, you know, mm, that's running fair. around, j- jangling everywhere. Peen dog. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, His um, name isn't Peen Dog. So <laughs> we're. <laughs> We're going to get caught up with Rich and uh, chat all things quarantine, life, and of course, um, of course, home drum recording and all that good stuff. But first, we have to get to our song of the week. If you would like to have your music played on this podcast, we want to share great original original music with the listeners of this show. Uh, so just send us a message, uh, musicguypodcast at gmail.com. Or connect with Mike or myself over social media and submit some music. We would love to play it for you. Uh, today we're going to spin a tune by an artist named Beverly Mahood, who folks may have heard of. Uh, Rich and I were fortunate to play on this track together and produce it. Uh, and it's been a, a single for her. I actually got like 15 bucks from uh, Sound Exchange or something because this got played on... Uh, on satellite radio (laughs) so you know we're really really doing it over here um this is a song called how about that uh it's by beverly mahood hope you all enjoy here we go you got yourself a brand new girlfriend one that you can spend all your time with well how about that do you ever think about me when you hold her? 
Nobody could see that because I switched the uh, the screen to fuck. Uh, yeah, I'm pulling uh, up the Cash Me Outside girl, Doctor <laughs> yeah. Phil. Saying, How about that? But uh, <laughs> That's, yeah. you know, it was also backwards. Uh, yeah, it was backwards. I was trying to like read it, but yeah. ah, whatever. Um, yeah, backwards. So yeah, that was a tune. Uh, How about that by Beverly Mahood, the uh, great Canadian artist. Uh, originally from Ar- Ireland, yeah, we played some gigs. We actually mm-hmm. just did a Christmas record with her. Uh, she got some new music coming yeah. out um, for the Telemiracle broadcast in, uh, I guess, yeah. February or March, which we've uh, March, March, yeah. yeah I guess I, I mean they're obviously going to be doing that all social distanced um, from a, from an enclo- closed sort of studio, and 
uh, we yeah produced the, the uh, one of the songs for that as well with with Beverly, and then she's got some more original music coming out sometime next year. I would think that that uh, we played and produced and that tune in particular. How about that? We did at Metalworks. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. 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 With the great Kevin Dietz working the cons. Absolutely, the Juno Award winning engineer Kevin Dietz. Yeah, that guy owes me uh, four thousand dollars because I bet that he was going to win a Juno, and I bet my Serb check. So, man, and he, you know what? He never lets anybody forget it either. He's always bringing oh, he's it up. bringing it up. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. started yeah. at the bottom yeah, now. Joke. He has a Juno. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you think the uh, you think the kick needs to be louder, eh? What's that Juno? <laughs> The kick's fine? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I guess it's fine. <laughs> no, Kevin's, Kevin's the best. No, I've ne- never met a more modest uh, human being than, uh, than I don't, Kevin. I don't think he's brought it up once. No, no, no. No, definitely not. not. No. Uh, I haven't really spoken to him a lot. So but it's, but it's funny. He said he hates you. That's why. <laughs> I remember when you were nominated for drummer of the thing for country music? canada and we just brought it up a bunch like that weekend we were at a drum store and i was like yeah you know he's nominated for this award. <laughs> <laughs> i was like talking to like the staff about it that probably sounds right that sounds like something you would do yeah yeah, yeah. good times so <laughs> let's get let's get caught up on the world of Rich. The last time we talked to you, I think, might have been right around the time the lockdowns happened, or maybe even before. Yeah, may it might have been March or early April or something like that. Maybe earlier April or something like that. Yeah. Are you famous yet? Yeah. 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 Not not around here. Not you know. Um, yeah. Basically, yeah. What I've been doing. Basically, I. Um, I've really like spent a lot of time and uh and money um upgrading my recording setup. I think I started with I had like a a Tascam interface. It like was terrible, just hissing constantly. And uh you know, I've upgraded a lot of the gear and uh microphones and like trying to make the space itself sound better. But also just like spending a lot of time recording myself and tuning my drums and like experimenting and doing this and that. And uh, yeah, so I've had like projects here and um, doing overdubs from stuff that we've worked on in commercial studios um, because it's just a, I can get stuff done really fast over here and like, you know, it doesn't bug anybody if I'm doing... um, overdubs you know don't want to waste that kind of time in, in like right, a commercial yeah. studio setting or whatever you've done stuff like with those it's not called air gigs what's the thing you sound yeah sound better uh i've done yeah i've done stuff with sound better i've uh yeah had some songs come up and like yeah it's been amazing it's been so easy like so somebody you just, just post a profile and then somebody hires you to do drums yeah exactly just they I they sent me demos and just said like hey uh yeah kind of do your thing. Sorry to what were you, what were you gonna say Al? Because I'm gonna get into a whole sound better thing. Oh, I was just gonna say just to clarify for people like Rich is at a studio space at the rehearsal factory in Toronto that that you're renting on a monthly basis, right, Rich? So this isn't like a a basement thing in your house or anything like that for. 
I no, if it was, I would maybe prefer it sometimes. But no, uh, yeah, this it's like a it's just a room basically, and it's soundproofed, quote unquote, to a certain extent. Um, and but it's not necessarily treated, and I still have to do more to it. Well, what about uh, the treatment behind you? Yeah, I know I do have a little bit going on, but it's like. I, I could still do more and like I need to do some stuff with the ceiling right above my drums. Sure. Um, but um, yeah, I like it's not like the best sounding space in the world. Definitely not in the world. But um, I know how to make my stuff sound good in this room just because of it's I, I've been spending a lot of time here. Yeah. Right. Well, on. One thing. I'm going to be building more sound treatment stuff. So if you ever want to build some stuff, just come over. Uh, I use my yeah. parents' garage for it because I don't own tools. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you, if you get the insulation, yeah, that would be great. you're welcome to come over and, yeah, and yeah. build some stuff. Because I built some, Al built me two panels, and then I built two of my own panels, and I built myself some bass traps. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. They're fucking expensive, though, man. Bass, bass traps, traps is a lot yeah. of fucking volume. I like I actually like a lot of the low end that's in this room and it's nice like I for mixing yeah it wouldn't be good but for the for drums it's like the toms sound really big and fat and the kick sounds awesome and the snare has a lot more bottom end to it so I don't mind that kind of extra rumble going on in here but it's mostly controlling the high end and uh those kind of reflections um especially for the got to get some thin yeah. stuff for that then yeah, exactly. So it's not terribly expensive. Uh, the UBK not, said to get a wedding umbrella, right? That was for I've mixing. Heard you, got, that. you get a wedding umbrella and you get soft touch insulation or something. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I know I've seen pictures of like large studios. I can't remember if it's maybe Abbey Road kind of has this giant umbrella that they'll put kind of over top the drums and they'll raise it and lower it depending on how much... Uh, of the room sound they want in the overheads. And then obviously they have the rest of the room to get large room sounds, but you can control the close mics a lot more. So it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Nice. Shit, man. Yeah. I think those panels that you have, Mike, are actually rich. And I built those like probably 10 years ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to talk about room treatment, that's a, that's a whole spiel that I spent a lot of time looking into it. Okay. I don't know enough about it, so. I just, I mean, for mixing at least, like, you like the, I think the bare minimum is the two panels on the sides. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and, like, the thickness of the panel and the distance from the wall is going to affect the how low the frequencies it can cover. You know, like, so the thicker right. the panel, like, like, my bass traps are, like, 30 inches thick. So they're fucking thick as fuck. Uh, So they can get down real low (laughs) to trap bass. Yeah. Uh, And then the side panels, they won't, they won't get super low. They're just catching those reflections. Yeah. And then you have like a front and back panel and then a panel on the roof and then bass straps in the corner. Um, But, uh, but like, uh, like, I guess the fear is, or something like a square room or whatever is that you, or like a small room you'd be like killing the room as opposed to like treating it but mm. like that's like as much as you can do i'm assuming besides having like the walls made of a certain certain uh 
out of like mattresses or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like all in all, if I counted what, like if I made the panels that you guys just gave me, um, well, Al did. I, I didn't agree to that. <laughs> I think it was like five or six hundred bucks, but that's for like for us to make. Well, the, I'm talking about the base traps because the base traps were like oh, okay. three hundred bucks to make, and that's because I made wow. them so thick. Like it's thirty mm. inches of insulation. Yeah, those the panels that we made were. We, I think we made six, mm-hmm. and I think everything it came to like a hundred and twenty bucks or something. Yeah, it was, they were pretty. Expensive. I don't. I don't remember spending much more than a hundred dollars. Panels are cheap and they make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and they're quite big. I think they're like, yeah. Two by four, maybe. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But, uh, one big thing I wonder about room treatment as for recording instruments, because that's for a mixing setup, right? Like you're supposed to make mm-hmm. with the mixing setup, you're making one spot in the room perfect. So if I like sure, move yeah. my chair over, it's it's going to be like different and biased. Um, but like with with room treatment, I have no idea. I think I yeah, I think with recording, like you obviously don't want to have issues, but you also want to be able to like say you know say i want yeah more boom i'm gonna kind of get my drums tucked into the corner i want them a little bit thinner sounding maybe i don't know if you would but maybe you do maybe move it into the middle of the room you want to be able to have like a room that you can manipulate um a little bit you know but also like isn't causing issues but then i know again, you, you can... talked about tube traps tube traps were pretty handy because you... right i think al had some of those too. i have a bunch yeah. of them yeah 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 being able to move them around and uh, changing the sound of your room. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all like, it's all effective stuff. Like the more absorption you have access to, um, yeah, is going to be super helpful. Yeah. 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 Cause like, it's, it's, it's one of the things that, especially I was reading about and I've, I've heard since then too, with dynamic mics, it's not like a big deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you have the SM7B there and it's like if you get a singer really close up to that or it's like really close up to a source, it's not going to pick up as much as like a condenser. Yeah. But like certain elements like drums are really room dependent. Oh, just the sound of them, not even what the mics are picking. Well, what the mics are picking up. Yeah. But even just how they react in the room. like Yeah. Exactly. Drums are and like apparently amps. Mm. Yeah. Amps as well. I mean, amps are usually close miking. So yes. As long as there's not too much like high end reflection going on around, I don't think you should have too much trouble. But drums are so sensitive to the space that they're in. There's certain drums like snare drums. I just won't even use in this room because it like it just doesn't sound good. Like the the drum, it it just there's not enough space in here to like make that drum like breathe too louder. Yeah, it's yeah too loud for the room or just like you find that with cymbals too. Like, I, yeah. I I wonder with live cymbals, like, I don't know anything about drums, but the way that I understood cymbals, it was like, you know, bigger cymbals are for, like, live, and then, like, smaller cymbals are, like, quieter and maybe more geared to the studio. I, I don't know. Is there Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's partially true. Like, it just all depends, because I think more than anything, it has to do with, like, thickness. Uh, like, a super thick cymbal is going to be a lot brighter, Right. Uh, the metal's going to move a lot faster. Uh, and so generally, you don't want super bright symbols for recording. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
Because they like gonna... bleed into shit more, I guess. Or yeah, yeah, they'll bleed into into like the tom mics or snare mics or whatever, and then they're just they're just gonna kind of be. There's like too much of a separation between like the drums and cymbals. You kind of want to like. I mean, I at least kind of want them to like blend together. And the darker the cymbals, the more you can increase the high. Like when you're mixing. Um, you can speak to this more so, Al, but like if you say like, oh, I want that snare to snap more. I want it to be super bright. Well, if your cymbals are already like super bright, they're just going to get brighter and brighter and brighter and your snare is going to get brighter, but the cymbals are just going to be so harsh. Also right? the bleed so, in it, yeah. Yeah, like the, yeah, the bleed, that's a whole other thing, but. This is uh, a, I, yeah. I hate to keep interrupting, but this is stuff that fucking oh, just. You know, I I rack my brain about. I know in the eighties people talked about having like their their fucking symbols way up there. Do do yeah. people still do that? I you know what I in in my room like I have done that actually. I've raised up my hi hats like almost as high as they can go, and my symbols are like a lot higher just just to have that separation. But then I I at one point I had them too high, so then my overheads were only picking up like the symbols, and I kind of want the overheads to pick up everything right so i i kind of found a balance in between where where the close mics had that separation but the overhead still had a nice picture of the whole kit so but yeah definitely that was like a huge thing because in the 80s they wanted separation right they wanted each drum to sound like it was well think of uh mutt lang recording where like literally he would record everything individually sometimes right Mm -hmm. but they wanted that separation um And in that case, if that's what you're going for, you can have super bright symbols. Now, you must love just (laughs) being able to pull up samples. Probably, I'm sure. Probably his own samples. Yeah. Because you might as well if you're you're just fucking like recording the, I don't know, that's funny, funny guy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so that's cool. So like room treatment, that's like, I don't know, eh. You so what what have you do, what have you actually done for room treatment, Rich? To yeah, <laughs> just the foam I've that's ju- behind you, or I've just put up like foam all around here. Yeah. What about those lights? Those those are well, those are ambiance. Those are <laughs> those are to get into like the mood, you know, of the song. Of course, I don't turn them on for every song, but, <laughs> but some. <laughs> no, and uh, I think the next thing I might get is some packing blankets. Actually, just because they're I actually yeah no I looked into that. Yeah, like a lot of people say they're good not for taking out low end or anything, but the just chilling out the high end. And they're like fairly cheap and you can and they're not modular is the word, but they're they're easily you can just move them around and do different configurations with them. So mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, that'll probably super be the cheap next thing. To I buy. Get. Yeah. Just go to U-Haul effective. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I found so, their, their their packing blankets were um they're weird. They're they're too too thin. Um okay. Like I don't really know what I'm talking about in terms. They might be used, but if you buy new ones, they might be thicker. You know, mm. you can get. Um, I don't. I don't like the U-Haul tone. You know, <laughs> I'm more U-Haul. It's a weird thing. Their packing blankets aren't the same as like if you look on like Amazon for. You can order like because I ordered sure. some actually. I you, fucking. Do you use a use a lot of packing blankets for various things or? Yeah, what do you pack I, well, it? <laughs> I've, ne- I've never I've never seen one. Uh, oh. Yeah, I mean, okay. that's the implication. Yeah. But no, like I, I bought some to make like a, before I had any of my room treatment to make like a little vocal booth 
Um, yeah, but I yeah, never yeah. never did because you know I don't. They uh, they never made it out alive. What? <laughs> <laughs> Those recordings never saw the light of day. <laughs> yeah. So somebody's somebody's like practicing drums next door or something. I can kind of hear like is that is that a huge problem for you like in terms of recording like if somebody else is doing something you kind of can't or uh it depends on what I'm recording and um yeah yeah like it is an issue of course so I'm usually I'm usually here in the mornings anyways and there's usually nobody here because most musicians uh, sleep in super late mm-hmm. and, uh, the, you know, they're not coming to their space to practice or jam or whatever until the afternoon. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when I'm recording, I usually just come in the morning, like 9, 10 a.m. And um, and yeah, never, never have issues like that. Nice. But, yeah. Yeah, right on. So um, give us like a a rundown of like what you're using like can we go through the mics can we go through sure. your drums your your cymbal choices like i'm sure you yeah, yeah. you've experimented with different um cymbals for example like i know you've got the really like quick decay ones as of mm. as of later are you still using those yeah uh maybe not exactly like what what okay so i guess yeah i'll just start with my drums the ones I the ones I have in here are like my old Ludwig's from the late sixties, and those are just like uh, thin shells. Those are kind of like sought after. They're sought after like recording drums. Um, they yeah, they sound great, and I have them like tuned to the room. And actually, the last few sessions we've done, I've literally just brought them into like I did to like commercial studios. And I haven't even touched them. Like I'll mess around with the snare when we're there, because that that's totally song dependent. But like, and so are toms and so, bass drum. Okay, so hold on. Yeah. Let me let me interject. And in. what when you're tuning yeah. drums, what what are you listening for? Um, oh man! <laughs> and it's like I'm sure it's like a way deeper question than that. But could you yeah, just yeah. like summarize for people like what are you trying to accomplish when you're tuning a drum? Um, I guess like. <clears throat> I guess you're looking for a couple things. You're looking for um, pitch is the first thing. Like, you know, do you want them to be low and tubby sounding or do you want them to be like a high jazzy tuning, right? You got to figure that out. And then, so from there, you can then dissect it again and be like, okay, how much do I want this drum to ring? Do I, and most cases it's no, you don't want it to ring very much, but you still want it to have tone, yeah. you know? Uh, so, and then from there, you're just trying to tweak it and get any weird things out of it, really. And is that and just like then, trial and error or do you actually have like a yeah, method to? Yeah, no, like there's methods. There's like things like, oh, you hear something, you try to tune it up, you try to tune it down a little bit. You try to get everything as close as possible. You try to get each lug where the drum head is tensioned, like each little tension point, you're trying to get those as even as possible. But then sometimes, because maybe the shell is a little bit weird or the drum head is maybe a little bit weird, it's, yeah, no, even with new heads, like sometimes they're just like not perfectly round or whatever, you might have a little issue. So you just have to kind of mess around until you get it. And then do I put tape on it to like... uh, do I put tape on it to mellow it out more or do I want it to be a little more, a little brighter, take off the tape, you know? So like 
you sh- I don't use tape really because um I think I can get my drum sounding pretty good without tape, but I usually use it if if I want to <clears throat> control the brightness. That's what I'm thinking about more so than anything. Um and s- so many, so many. And you know Yeah, like there's there's like uh, I mean, we all we all know Aaron Sterling. Uh, I'm sure a YouTube, YouTube sensation, <laughs> uh, like very famous uh, session drummer, like amazing. And he's got like a series of videos. And then this other guy, Dan Bailey from LA as well. Uh, I I have his like videos, and he's always posting stuff on Instagram as well. Great sounds, but they're both of them are kind of like this is how I do it. And they do it in real time and then they'll be like, okay, it sounds weird. So I'm just going to like crank up this one lug or crank it down and then you hit it. There's no science. And anytime anybody tries to sell you like uh, a drum dial or uh, some kind of tuning bot or whatever, it it doesn't really replace um, experience and your ears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your ears. Um, those are great. I think those are great for like – Maybe if you're a tech on tour and you're replacing drum heads every like show or every other show and you you get them, you get, okay, the snare, he likes it at, uh, you know, this pitch. So I'll, I'll crank it up to that pitch and then I'll, and then I'll tweak it with my ears, mm-hmm. you know? So I that, wonder so, also to, to get consistent because uh, like, so say for instance, for you, if you had a way of measuring like, oh no, I like it like this in this room. Like you're, if you're always recording in your thing, you're like, oh, this Ludwig. Yeah, yeah. I like it at this. Sure. Like, yeah, no, no. And that's what those can can be really good for, but you still have to tweak it with your ears. And uh, you know what, man? More often than not, I've I've had those before. I've I've tried them all, and I always end up like just d- using my ear and it I'll get really close with all the little uh dials or whatever, but at the same time it doesn't replace does this just sound good or not? You know? Yeah, yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Just knowing yeah. knowing what sounds good, knowing yeah, what good just, sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Or just like what you like cuz yeah. like, you know, there's no this sounds good and everybody likes it. It's this sounds good to me. Right. But yeah. And do you ever concern yourself with like the the actual pitch of a drum in terms of like what note is it playing and do you try to tune them like <laughs> in a triad or something. I've heard of people talk about that, but like, I haven't really seen that in practice. Yeah. A lot. So a lot of people will tune like the, the bottom head on a drum that you don't strike. They'll tune that like uh, a minor third above the, uh, the pitch of the batter head, the one oh, that you really? actually strike. Yeah. On, on rack toms and then floor toms, a lot of people will try to tune them the same pitch. So they don't, they don't have that bend, right? Like rack toms a lot. A lot of people, you like that. Uh, it's just like we, we've been programmed to hear that sound through pop music is having the to- rack tom has a bend in it mm-hmm. and the floor tom is just boo, right? It's just a pure tone. But it, it, it with the toms, yeah, I like to have a certain interval, like kind of musical intervals. And it just depends really. But sometimes if they're too far off, it sounds weird. Or if they're too close, it sounds mm-hmm. weird. And then it depends on how many toms you have. Because then, right, that the the intervals get a lot smaller when you right. have more toms. What's the optimal I, number of toms? One, one up, two down. No, uh, <laughs> it just depends. I so, man, <laughs> I I like most of the time I just play one up, one down, 
Uh, I love one up, two down. Uh, two up, two down is great. You know, <laughs> if you have more than three up top, you get the hell How out of here. How many gongs do you own? <laughs> At least four on any given basis. Yeah. So this is a side thing. Um, we talked about it. Not, I didn't want to skip over it with the sound better thing because sound better is like oh, a, yeah, almost yeah. a way of you know, getting gigs for recording online. And like I, the first discovery that I had with that was uh, Air Gigs. It was called Air Gigs. And yeah. um, do you, so you make a profile, you have nice photos and then you give yourself a bio and maybe do you outline your, oh, Will's calling me again for the, for like the third time. <laughs> um, but uh, do you outline like sort of what gear you have in there as well? Is there any things that you found were useful for helping you to get clients like name dropping, you know, like. Yeah. Oh, all of that. All of that. You kind of have to uh, be a bit, uh, bit of a d bag in a way. You know, like you got to sell yourself a little bit more than maybe you're comfortable with, than I'm comfortable with. But in terms of like, yeah, I'm trying to like say like I own some really nice drums and cymbals and snares, and my gear is good, and uh, and also like you post. Um, uh, samples of what you've recorded. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah. Stuff you've recorded on or stuff you've actually recorded yourself doing. Um, so I made a little, um, what do you call it? Like a, a promo kind of thing with a bunch of different tracks all into one. A portfolio? Yeah, basically, but it's just one like three minute MP3. I'm just going to pull it up right now. I'm not going to play <laughs> it on the podcast. I'm just going to take a, <laughs> a little so, look see. But yeah, I mean, and then you kind of just wait around. And hope somebody hires you. It's particularly a good service if you play drums too, right? Because like a lot of artists can probably play guitar well enough that they can just or they know or they know somebody. Yeah, but you've got a review here from Kevin Deeds. I've done a number of sessions in the studio with Rich. Explaining. Okay, we don't need to read these. (laughs) Are top notch. Highly recommend. Exclamation mark. And that comes from a Juno award-winning uh, mix engineer. You should edit that and include that in there. Uh, <laughs> but it, no, it's but, a, that's yeah. a cool idea. Cause, I mean, the, the dream is to, yeah, be able to work from, you know, your spot and your space. And, and like, if you have the gear, yeah. then, yeah, like, fuck yeah. Well, it's a great yeah, setup, absolutely. too, because you can rent this room split it with somebody else which is i think what you're doing right and yeah keep your monthly costs reasonable and then if you're a drummer you probably already own drums and then it's just a matter of like you probably already have a mac laptop or whatever most people seem to have like a a computer right and then it's just like where do you go from there well you just got to put together some microphones that aren't too expensive which most people know how to do at this point and like you know, most interfaces sound pretty good. You can get Ableton for 50 bucks and you're off to the races. Like it's not uh, as huge of an undertaking as it might've been 20 years ago to be oh, a man, drummer yeah. who can like, yeah, yeah I, I've got the know-how to record myself and send you files. And like, that's a, a very valuable thing, especially at a time when getting together with people inside is not super realistic. So it's tricky, yeah. Can, and also just like sorry, uh, but also just like the even the turnaround time, like someone sends me a track, uh someone sends me a track, I can be in there the next day 
recording mm. my stuff and it's and it's out where if you're uh i i would all obviously prefer to be playing with uh people in the studio live tracking because it just feels better but um it's just like the yeah the turnaround time is so fast because if you're like having to schedule five musicians and an engineer and book a studio it could take you weeks you know yeah so anyways yeah. sorry i cut so you off got, okay so you've got the the drum set you've got the cymbals like what what are we rocking for for months? yeah Okay, yeah, let's just snares too. I mean, fuck. Yeah, I got a lot of snares. Um, everybody knows the snares. There's certain snares you gotta have. Just well, what are they? <laughs> no. Uh, okay, let's talk about recording setup. So, I have an Apollo uh, eight, eight, yeah, something like that, and it's just like an eight channel um, UAD thing. It's great. And then I have a, a Scarlett uh, Focusrite another eight channel thing for extra, extra inputs. And, um, and the really nice thing about the Apollo, the universal, uh, universal audio is that you can have these unison preamps. So basically they're like, um, modeled after vintage or, or new, um, instead of having an actual preamp preamp. Yeah. So they supposedly do a lot i i think they sound really good i have like the neve ones on mostly everything because it just warms up the transient a lot sounds super fat i was pushing them pretty hard when i first got them and it sounded whack and al was like uh what's going on here (laughs) (laughs) but uh since then i've uh you know toned that down a little bit but yeah so I mean, lots of people have the Apollo. Lots of people have the Scarlet. They're both really good. It's clean. Um, I don't know. Those sound good. And then basically mics, I've, uh, you know, been trying a lot of different things, acquiring different mics, borrowing different ones off friends. But, like, I'll I'll highlight a couple of mics that I really like. Uh, One, I don't know if this is going to be on YouTube or not or whatever, but this, this one is one of my faves. It's the, uh, dynamic M two Oh one. And it's, so I use this on the snare top and it's basically like, uh, um, a 57, but it's got like increased high end. So it's a little bit crispier and there's a lot. I find a lot more low end too, like that nice, yeah, 100 to like 200 range. There's a lot more. So it kind of already has that beautiful scoop that you want for a, a snare sound. And, was it expensive uh, or or was uh, it comparable it was to like, an SM57? No, it's more than that. It was like th- th- two, 3-ish, 350 maybe. I mean, it's arguably the most important drum on the kit, so why wouldn't you get a good mic for it? Although, like, the 57 sounds great. It sounds great, too. And I have one on the bottom snare mic. As my bottom snare mic, I have a 57. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. And then I got, like, a, a condenser on the outside of the kick and a Sennheiser... 609 or 602 maybe just like a really snappy sounding uh super eq'd sounding mic sounds sounds fine like it sounds good it yeah it just it has that thing that you want and really snappy and then you can kind of blend it with 
It's yeah, it's pretty big. And it, like, yeah, lies down inside. The it's not. It's not oh, that okay. one. It's not that. It's not a condensed. It's round. It's size of a baby's fist. I see. <laughs> yeah, but it it does that thing, just very snappy, and then you blend it with the outside kick mic, and uh, and then I've also been using. I have this like uh, Russian Royer clone that ah yeah, it's so it's a figure eight um, ribbon mic, and it sounds great. And it sounds so good in this room because uh, the top end is just like rolled off nicely. Um, and then I have that kind of two feet in front of my kick at a, about two feet up in the air. And it just like adds so much dimension to the bass drum and kind of the overall room sound too. It just like gives the drums some like air and, and lets them breathe so a little be bit. your quote unquote room mic. Sort of, yeah. It's more of like a still a kick mic, even I would say. Mm. But but the, I mean, the snare is so loud in this small room that it's it is like a mono room mic. And then um, and then I just like experiment. I'll I'll have different mics, like a knee mic, kind of over the bass drum, pointed at the snare, and then it, and it gets the toms and the kick and the snare, uh, and I'll compress that like crazy, or I'll put room mics as far back as I can. Um, yeah, like I'll just try different things every time, really. So, in terms of overheads, what are you what are you doing right now? I have like Rode NT5s. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, They're great mics, and they yeah they they sound really good. They sound like what it sounds like in here. Um, what's nice about them is that they're cardioid, and uh, and so they're small condens small diaphragm condensers. So they're not picking up a lot of what's behind them or even too far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to not picking up the guy next to you rehearsing yeah. his drums. No, or just even just like the sound of the room necessarily. It's 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 clean. Yeah, they'll minimize the amount of like thumpy low end build up stuff that you might get in that room, right? Yeah, no, it's just like they're kind of I don't know. There's like a gross kind of like cheap sound to the room sometimes, yeah. and they just kind of get rid of it, you know. Uh, but I was also borrowing uh, Fote, like a, a sound engineer that we work with oft- often. He has uh, AKG 214s, and those are basically like uh, kind of like copies of uh, 414s, but only in cardioid. And those sounded really nice. A lot, uh, a lot more open um, and smoother top end, which I actually liked a lot more than the Rhodes. So. The Rhodes are yeah. a bit more like 3K, 5K kind of. Pointy. Yeah, they they actually sound amazing on toms mm. Mm. and yeah. snare. Yeah, snare top as well. They sound really good. They sound great. Um, really, like a drummer needs snare, like snare close mic, uh, snare like sorry, a drum bass drum inside and bass drum outside. Is that necessary to have, or is that a nice nicety to have it, the outside? It is. Uh, it's a game changer, I would say, <laughs> but it's not that necessary. I mean, honestly, all you need is probably two overheads and a kick mic, and you can get a good sound. Yeah, if you're if you can play balanced, um, you, you can get a good sound. You should be able to. Yeah, because we were talking about the affordability of like recording your own stuff as a drummer, and it's like, yeah, yeah. like it is. It is uh, more affordable than it was, but unfortunately, I think the drummer has the biggest burden financially. You yeah, know, they have to get the most amount of inputs. On their interface, yeah. they have to get, you know, the most expensive mics 
uh, or just the most amount of mics. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like a guitarist can get an SM57 and like be like. Or or the guitarist could buy one really nice mic, but I would still have to buy several really nice mics, you know. you know. Or they could just uh, buy a Helix, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sounds. Plug it right in. I'm trying to think of overheads can get ridiculous. Like really nice, like a Royer, uh, is it? Royer like 120? Yeah, 121. 121 you, for guitar? Is, uh, is it a like 120 for guitar? Or is it? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, it's it's like 1500 bucks, And if you get that in SM57, you're considered to have like, you know, like good, good mics. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas with drums, it's like the anti-fives are, you know, they're they're considered good. They're, and then like they're the, the good, KSM yeah. something... The KSMs are like, you know, yeah. And then uh, there was another one I was looking at them just because I would like to get a better acoustic mic. It's like, man, those things, if you get a pair of the KSMs, isn't it like, I think it's like two or three grand. Oh, the uh, Neumann KSM. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can get them for probably two grand. But anyways, uh, (laughs) and you know, the thing is what you have to, that you have to remember is that. Um, a mic, yes, it can be like a Neumann U87, but it might not sound good on your voice or your guitar or, or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. the, like good studios have a lot of good mics because it's the selection, right? It's the choices. So you do have to kind of find what works for you in your room with your gear. Like if I had super bright symbols, I would want, maybe I would want. Um, ribbon overheads to chill out those cymbals so you hear a lot more of the drums you know what I mean yeah uh, you have to pl- you have to kind of have a balance like you can't just have super bright overheads and super bright drums you can't just pay super- your way to sounding good too <laughs> well yeah you gotta practice <laughs> so what yeah. are some things that you've discovered uh, maybe in like trial and error about mic placement um, or, you know, just recording in general, if you want that you maybe thought was one way or like everybody says it's this, but I've actually discovered that it's this or everybody says it's this and they're absolutely right because, because of this. Oof. Yeah. Oh, that's tough, man. You know, honestly, I think I've had like, I feel like I've had a lot of experience recording. Like when I was young, I would record, um, myself all the time with like one mic in my parents' basement going up into their computer or whatever, or, you know, through friends, like I had a buddy, we used to jam and he, he was like, well, he would have been my age. So he was, I don't know, like, you know, 13 or 14. And he was like, I want to be a live sound guy. So he had like a ton of gear and we would record all the time on to ADAT tape. And so I would just, watch and learn and see like okay that's where the snare mic goes or i learn i don't know i i see sometimes like live sound guys doing whack stuff like not good ones not ones that i usually work with that are like great but um i don't know i think oh man that's a tough question i i don't know if i've i think i've learned more like i guess about tuning the drums and being able to hear it in real time and just you know, frigging around. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any rules. I think it's just like a, f- a lot of it is just feel. feel and like so the worst dancer ever is 
is what it I'm is. Saying. It is. It's the it's worst like... answer that I. It's not the answer I want to hear when I ask someone something. I know. It's <laughs> like it's like oh, well, what do I have to spend to make this work? It's yeah. like, well, you just have to do it for a bunch of it's... years. There's all the answers all are already out there and explained better. Like there's nothing new. Like there's no secrets. Nobody's hiding anything. I'm not like not telling people stuff. I, well, yeah, I, no, I, have, like, I, I have one thing that I want to ask about because you're good at, you're really good at this. Um, so like, I wonder, cause I'm going to a teacher now going to Justin Abaddon and hmm. he has given me so many like tips on like how to hold my pick and just yeah, like yeah. changing that and, and like how to work on like one of the things he gets me to do. I'm actually going to pull up my guitar, uh, because it's, it's absurd. Um, he gets me to play really, really quiet to work on how to, how to play. So like, I'll play like. Can't even hear that. We can't can't hear even that. hear it. <laughs> it's inaudible. In in you'll hear it on the actual like stream, but you can't even hear it. It doesn't even pick up from the gate. It's sure. literally like he gets me to play like melodies and like exercises, but where you barely are picking the string. And then obviously the other extreme. And then like there's just little things like how you hold your pick and what pick you use and like changing those and yeah. I was wondering, like, do you have a way that you work on how you, you're hitting or, like, observations yeah. on, like, that sort of stuff? Or is it just, like, I've been doing it for a while, I kind of mess around or? Yeah, it's, bo- yeah, both. Um, so, yeah, there's, oh, man, there's lots. <laughs> there's this is So this is the thing I'm practicing or thinking about all the time, right? Um, and it goes through, you go through phases, too, like, uh, you know, one one concept as a drummer is like, do you bury the beater or do you, you know, lift the bass drum beater off the bass drum head, right? So a lot, of, yeah, a lot of people will hit the bass drum and sink their foot into it. Um, it feels great to do that. You don't, you don't get extra like sounds going on and whatever, but you are choking the drum. So you're actually getting less low end and you're wasting a bunch of energy um, forcing your foot against uh, the head until the next hit comes. So you're not relaxed at all. It's like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's, it just doesn't make sense. Like no other instrument does that. Nobody else does that. Like if you're hitting a guitar string, you don't just hit it and leave your pick against the string. You have to, like, let it go, right? A lot of drummers... You're locking up, and you don't want to do that. Yeah, and a lot of drummers don't think about that, right? And that that's that can make them sound... They're like, well, I'm hitting so hard. I don't know why my bass drum sounds so thin and wimpy and weak. Or this like, bass drum sounds like shit, and it's like, what? Yeah, and Man, actually... not doing it right. Yeah, um, I've tried to, like, play lighter on the bass drum specifically because... Uh, I think it, it's, especially when you have it tuned low, like most people like it, you like that nice, low supportive sound in a mix. Um, if you're, if you're hitting it so hard when the the skin is so loose, (laughs) that sounds gross. (laughs) If you're you're hitting it so low when the drum head is loose, you're going to, you're going to be choking it out so fast. And that's the same thing with like, uh, toms too. Like there's, if you hit it too light and the toms are tuned really low, you're going to just hear the drum head. Um, but if there's like a nice middle ground where you can hit it and you get a lot of the tone and attack still, but if you're hitting it way too hard, it's going to choke out snares. 
Um, I don't think I'm able to hit a snare hard enough for it to choke out. Like, I probably need to put on more weight for that. But, like, I think it just depends. And that depends. Like, if if I'm doing one of those um, super dead, very modern sounding, like, kind of snare tones, uh, I'm not going to hit a rim shot. I'm not hitting the head and the rim at the same time. Because that actually chokes it out and then it just sounds like a thin nothing. So I'm just trying to hit the center and not super hard either. Uh, But if I'm kind of have a wide open sound and it's kind of middle to high tuning, I'm going to hit the rim and the center of the head because it just has more snap to it. Uh, And then that's like experienced drummer stuff to know that like, oh, I want this sound. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not that complicated though. Like, I'm making it sound more complicated than it is. It is and it isn't though. I know it's, with it's hard. It's hard to execute consistently all the time. Conceptually, it's easy to understand. Like, okay, it does this, but it, it is hard to execute all the time with emotion. I think this is something you guys talked about in one of your podcasts before. Is just like the really great musicians are great because they can capture the um, the nuance of the song, like that energy, the correct energy and the emotion and still play uh, super consistently. Like if you listen to like an Avril Lavigne, like Skater Boy, uh, like that just sounds like not, it just sounds like a crazy like punk band going. But I know the drummer um, on it, uh, oh shit, uh, crap, his name is escaping me right now. But uh He's a really good drummer, like played on some Sheryl Crow stuff, like whatever. Uh, he's not like a punk rock guy normally. Yeah. Not necessarily, but he's so good and captured that the essence <laughs> of that song. And I like some, you know, regular Joe Blow that just plays punk music all the time, who's pretty good, probably wouldn't have been able to execute it as well because maybe they would have been hitting the cymbals too hard or they would have been like inconsistently hitting the snare or burying the beater on the bass drum too much or, or whatever. Right. So, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. You don't want to go too studio though, like too far to the, like I'm perfect. You still want to have like those elements of uh, like those rough edges. Right. Cause that's what gives tracks their personality. That is this stuff fucking keeps me I've, up at night. I've, I hate it. I've noticed in, working on the tracks that I've worked on that to me, like a lot of the times the snare sounds better quote unquote in verses than in choruses. And I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's just because of the song's arrangement. Maybe there's a little bit less going on and you could hear it better and, or it's being hit at a just more moderate level where when you really get into like playing super hard in a in an up chorus that's where some of the notes of the snare do get that little like sort of i don't know how to describe exactly but get kind of like choked feeling where they just kind of disappear for a couple of beats and then oh we're back now you can hear that that nice bloom on it but in verses of songs i always find it's just like yeah the snare's just huge and not taking over the mix and just sitting real nice do, do you think that like that's mostly like an attack so, thing, or all. Should I just or? go kill, kill myself right now? Or yeah. I'm not talking yeah, about yeah, your. Yeah. I'm not talking about your playing specifically. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, that's. 
I, I think it could be because of all those things you mentioned, like, yeah, there's more good guitars or synths or vocals happening. And so there's less room for like, you're hearing two things or maybe more with a snare. I don't know. Like some, that's kind of what I think about it is like you're hitting, you're hearing an attack, like that instant sound. And then you're hearing, um, the tone or the note or the ring or the buzz, you know, depending on how you have it tuned or have you, how you have it muffled. Right. So then if you have a big, wide open ringy snare, all that's going to disappear once there's other people playing notes, mm-hmm. you know, right? So other harmonic content is going to like overshadow all that. Um, and then, yeah, so that 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 could be one factor. The second factor could be, yeah, it's the chorus. You're getting jacked up and you're pro- maybe you're hitting harder. You're hitting louder. Maybe you're getting a little sloppier because your, you know, adrenaline starts going a little bit more. So maybe it's a little bit more consistent. Um, yeah, what if you I don't, don't have emotions? Just asking for a friend, you know. <laughs> Robot guitarists. Robot guitarist seeks band. Um, okay, so I I have a, a a few things. I like wrote some stuff out, and so um, you were saying that you're renting this from Rehearsal Factory, which is kind of just a rehearsal space, and they have studio special sort of rooms that are. Yeah, better than their average rooms. Have you ever considered? I, I keep on seeing this on uh, All Buttons. It's like um, All Buttons is like almost a community page where people are selling things or offering things, and people are like, "Yeah, you know, it's three hundred bucks a month, and you get to record this many days at this studio." And it's like you almost own a portion of the days of the studio. Have you ever considered that? And then just been like, "But I guess if you have enough work recording, like if you had enough to be like, I got to do ten tracks a." Uh, you know, a, a month. Cause it, it seems like that would be if you were busy enough recording wise, like remote recording wise, as opposed to going to studios. Cause it seems like you guys always go to loudmouth. So, um, yeah, we've, been, well, we, there's a few that we go to like loudmouth, uh, shout out. And, uh, our good friend, Nick at banquet sound. Um, he's got a really good space with some really good gear and uh and we did a couple days a few weeks ago at um uh Un- union sound which is that's a great studio yeah that was a great spot uh but uh, like for me personally i you know what it is man i have a lot of gear i have like a lot of expensive gear and i don't want to be sharing it or having random people coming in and you know knowing what's there or, like you know, oh, a mic goes missing or a drum goes missing. Sure, sure, uh, that's fair. And so I do. I share my room with one guy, uh, Mike, who is he has great gear too, and like he's a super nice guy, very clean, and um, and we split, respectful. Yeah, very respectful of everything, and um, and we split the uh, the time fifty fifty. So I have. So he works nine to five. So I basically have all day during the week to be here and uh, and then he gets evenings and weekends. And, you know, in a normal year, I would be gone every weekend and usually working in the evenings anyways. So, so I would, yeah, I would normally be working <laughs> evenings and weekends anyways. So there'd be no issues and it's uh, quite cheap. Um. So I just want to go back real quick to the um, uh, the recording setup, and you've got the yeah. 
Apollo, like you said, with the preamps in in it, the digital modeled preamps, which I think is like a great yeah. option, especially like budgetarily. Like you don't have to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars per channel on your pre's. Like you buy the one interface for. You don't have you to know, spend, uh, yeah, like a thousand dollars per channel. Thousand bucks a channel, yeah. And <laughs> um, so, reality, yeah. So when you're sending your drum stems to somebody like me or or whomever, you're printing on there the that preamp emulation. Are you printing any other? Um, like you don't have any outboard gear, I don't think. But are you printing any other like compression or EQ on anything, or do you like to leave it pretty open and 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 dry? Yeah. Yeah, so what I do usually do is I have like either uh some kind of an effect mic or a or like the room mics and I'll usually print um whatever compression I have on those, especially the effect mic, like if I want it super squished with a lot of attack or a lot of the room sound, I'll definitely print that because I was going for something and then they can use that or not. It's not like I'm going to print a snare with a ton of compression on it. And then they're like, dude, I can't use this. Sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, and actually like with the unison preamps, I am like EQing a tiny bit, not every mic though. Like my kick in, I don't EQ at all because that mic is so tailored already. Uh, My snare, top i do like i cut a little bit of bad frequencies and then my kick out and then and maybe my toms as well just just to get i i always have them set the same and then if i don't like the sound i'll switch out the drum um to suit that better because because there's certain frequencies that you're just going to pull out anyways everybody's going to pull out those certain frequencies you know Mm -hmm. um but and, and i don't go hard it'll be like a db maybe two um, very light. And then, um, and then, so actually what I did, I did something last week, um, for, uh, for a client, um, this guy, Eric, uh, he, uh, yeah, he'll send a track or whatever and I'll, I'll send him the stems, but I also printed a, a separate, uh, track of just the reverb. Um, so I had like, a room reverb that I was using that I really liked and it kind of suited the song kind of like uh, that wall of sound kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It just fit the song really well. Uh, so I printed that separately. Didn't want to print anything, you know, and then he can use that or not or use his own right. reverb or whatever. But it, it was a UAD reverb, so it sounded quite good. Yeah, but that makes a lot of sense because if you think about like anytime we've gone into a a bigger commercial studio and they've got all the great EQs and compressors yeah. and all this amazing outboard gear. And they're like, you know, the, 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 the 70, the 1176 compressor is like tapping the vocal, like two yeah. DB, yeah. the EQs like cutting one DB of 400 Hertz. It's like, they're barely touching this stuff, even with the best gear, because I mean, and oftentimes I'm like, man, do more do more like i want right i want you to do more so that i can do less but like it's just not really what is commonplace and common practice today, today. Yeah. You, people want clean natural sounds um so you know if you're using a preamp to to get it up Color. to a good amount of gain and maybe yeah, yeah. soften the the edgy kind of distortiony kind of um not distortion digitally sort of yeah. harshness of stuff, you know, by having go through a, a 1073 or whatever, that's cool. But like even my Vintex that I'm, uh, that I've got my 500 series Neve clone preamps, like I'm, I'm, I'm 
I meant minimum minimum input gain on them. You know, it's at it, right. it, the, the, the red dials all the way to the left for uh, okay. a condenser mic or whatever because it just starts to introduce distortion, which sounds really cool, but not always. And people want to have the option. Not um, always, so. not on everything. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe on a drum, it's a lot nicer because the the transient is so quick, right? Yeah. So you might want to. You can maybe get away with that a lot more than a vocal mm-hmm. or an acoustic guitar, right? Actually, acoustic you can actually. But see, I was overdoing it for acoustics for a, yes, for a bit. But yeah, yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't really realize it because you get used to it too. That's the other problem is like you get used to the way things sound, and then you're like, oh, damn, like this is actually super distorted. Somebody points it out to you, so I, I backed it off. On the, yeah, uh, Rich, Rich did. Rich did point it out to me. Yeah, there's a lot of like har. Yeah, there's a lot of extra harmonic content happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and that's that's like I, you know, for a few months I was recording a lot, and then I went into the studio and like, you know, to bring up his name again, Kevin, Kevin Dietz, like recorded some stuff, and I was like, dude, what the fuck, you're like so good sounds so good yeah you know uh and he doesn't do like a ton he just i don't know he just knows how to like capture what's happening in the room and and like he brings in some of his own mics too and like uh i don't know he's he's just he's very good though and it's just like man they're my drums in a better room or yeah well they're my drums in a better room so of course it's gonna sound a bit better but uh, you know, my drums and like, it's still, it's like not quite as good as what he can do. It's the thing you were saying before you were saying like, oh, it's like, like you could stick, you know, so- someone like you in a, in a room with all the mics and the gear in the world. And like you do well, cause you're familiar with stuff, but Kevin's an engineer. So like, yeah, yeah, that's of course, of course it's just, it's just humbling. And it's like, and it's good to record yourself and yeah, it helps so much. Like, um, uh, but, but you, you know, know, there's, you know, there's, there's no, no replacement for like people that are just amazing at what they do and dedicated at what they do. Mm-hmm. And like having, having a, a good, good team around you is just like so, so important, important, right? It's, it's everything. I actually like, hate teamwork. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It definitely helps though. I bet more than you even realize that you, you've gained all this experience self-recording that when you yeah. get into the studio, you're hitting your drums in a different way. Then, yeah. And, you know, you're setting and them up. You've got your cymbals higher or whatever. And it's like, and then, yeah, you know, somebody little, like Kevin can, can you know, take that even further. So Exactly. Another thing that uh, I'm doing most of the time, I would say like 90% of the time, is when I'm just practicing, I have like my... Uh, in ears in and i'm going through all my mics that's so smart i was doing that with my acoustic yeah yeah because uh it's it hits different you know (laughs) and you hear what it sounds like yeah like i'm actually just practicing something uh you know super mundane slow like a normal exercise that anybody would do but like through the mics and uh i think it informs the way you practice a lot different like you're not you're not doing the okay i'm practicing this and then i'm adapting it to like my normal vocabulary and then i go to record it and i'm like oh that sounds like shit why you know i think you're maybe skipping a step too you know yeah that's great and actually some yeah and something you brought up before al was the uh preparing for a session or something like that like record yourself playing that 
thing or that song or that passage that like is is going to be really tricky or whatever. And that's like that's it right there. That's like such a great point because you're not going to be able to in real time. You're not going to be able to fix a major thing, you know. Oh yeah. Like that's 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 not what that's not what like you're in the studio listening back for. You're not being like, "Oh my god, I rush all the time or I like or I I shittily hit my snare or I you know, play, I don't know, whatever. Like yeah, no, you're, you're, not gonna you're listening it. for parts, ideas, like, you know, interactions. More you you have to kind of get beyond that. So you have to spend that time on your own first, right? And like, I still need to a lot. Sure, we all do. <laughs> the but- better, I, yeah. The better you get, the better, better your ear. The, the more your ears develop, like I, I or mine do at least. I just get sadder and sadder because I'm just like, oh, I feel like I'm farther and farther <laughs> yeah. away from like. The where more I want you learn, the less you realize you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. And the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. That's um, the all right, I I gotta I, I gotta bounce yeah, too, shortly, yeah. guys. Unfortunately, because uh, I gotta get a haircut because we're going into lockdown. And yeah, uh, <laughs> but I I thanks a lot, Rich, for coming on, especially last minute. Um, I know I'm happy to you know be a placeholder for happy to be uh, the Holt. S- second call. We're gonna get Holt. Yeah. It was gonna be a better better episode, but I screwed up the booking. No, I mean no, on, uh, honorary. I know, third- I know my place. Honorary third host of the podcast here. Oh, you know, we, third. We, we, we love having you on, nice. man. Um, Amazing. And we'll, we'll be doing it again soon. Um, <laughs> we didn't get into samples. We've written down sample replacement. Do you do you bother with that at all, Rich? Or like, do you have any? I mean, most drummers I have probably a lot. hate I have hate tons. It. I have yeah. tons, yeah. I make, I make a lot, too. Obviously, yeah, within reason. You spoke about samples last time. It was just more so the idea that if you are recording from, you know, less than fancy, you know, studios, it's like maybe having a hand in sample, you know, replacement for or sample enhancement. Yeah, I don't think I need to at my place. I think it sounds pretty. I think I can get pretty good sounds, Uh, and also just yeah, like if you. I don't know if you still want to. Add did you record the Alessia track? Uh, I did. Yeah, I did. I did. So I mean, go listen to that. And that was in, and that was in June. And uh, you know, I feel like listening back to that, I was like, oh god, I wish I could do it now. So what but you're saying see- is, Alessia should get her money back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll go. Uh, I'll, I'll. I'll go DM her and tell her that. Um. Well, I guess the one the one thing that I'll say I've probably said it before on this podcast, and and I'm sure I've said it to you guys a ton of times. But in terms of samples, um, I, I I I don't know who I don't know where I found this from, but some some great mixing engineer or something said like use a sample, use a reverb sample, which you can get from like uh, like Slate right. has a bunch, or most of the drum packs have them. They're not the direct drum samples, but they're the reverbs of. So you might try to match, like if you're playing a Black Beauty snare or whatever, you find like a Black Beauty reverb, see if it sounds believable. And then instead of running your drums through a reverb plugin, if if you are yeah. uh, recording your own drums and maybe mixing the track or whatever, um, or if you want to give the person you're sending to like options of, you know, here's a reverb for the snare, um, using a sample, that way you won't get the cymbal bleed and the other drums bleeding into that reverb at least that will be sort of clear of any of that and if your room tone is a little bit suspect because you know we're all doing this from home and stuff it's like 
the reverb is only going to accentuate sort of that that you already have going on i think so that can be yeah. a useful um place for that um before we before we peace out are you guys uh you guys hitting up anything for black friday you go any no deals? any deals? no uh i might get the uh ocean way uh room reverb oh, shit. it's con- it's it's more i think it's less of a reverb and more of an ir like a room ir That's kind of thing cool. yeah so it uh it can, you can replace mics but you can also just like um say send a room reverb a, a room mic or you can put your overheads through it or something like that and it replicates just like the room sound whatever you know popular mics you want to use like a c12 or that's super uh, U67 cool. 67 or something. And it sounds so good. And it doesn't have that, you know, cheesy reverb sound that you're the, like, you were kind of talking about you want to avoid. You want to give length and um, size to the drums. Can I give you for a bit of both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, so, the, and the, I, I've used that a, a bunch of times and it's, and it just, yeah, it sounds bigger, makes them breathe. Uh, it's it's forgiving. You've used a, like a demo voice. version of it, uh, of the uh, Ocean Way. Yeah, I've tried it, and uh, nice. I have another reverb IR that I've used a bunch that also sounds good. But the Ocean Way one is quite nice. That's I sweet. think it's on it's on sale for like a hundred and something. Uh, don't tell my wife. Okay, that's my <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> don't tell my wife. Uh, the Oxford Inflators on sale for ninety percent off or something. If anybody's been wanting to. Pick that thing up. It's usually like, and that's just like sauce, and you really like that because I, I was yeah. What does it do? I, you know what, man? Like, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be super honest. Like, I I null tested the inflator versus just turning it up by like like I volume matched what it sounded like with the inflator on it. This is like a mix bus plugin, by the way. That's supposed to just be uh, like okay. the secret sauce. It just makes your everything just sound better. Um, and I null tested against a mix that was just like you know, however much louder to make the volumes match. And there was very little difference. Like you would hear just the odd, like <laughs> little fizzinesses, like coming through the null test would almost be no sound at all. You're paying um, for the fizz, baby. I don't know. I mean, it's a harmonic sort of exciter kind of plug in. It definitely makes your stuff sound better when you turn it on, whether or not it's just making it louder is, is up for debate. <laughs> but, uh, I did pay the 300 bucks for it, but I think you can get it for like 30 bucks right now. So it's pretty good value. I know a lot of people use it. Um, so it's it kind of like a $66 on plugin boutique. Um, Oh, maybe it's a European dollars, the 33 um, pounds or whatever. But anyways, that's a good, I want to get, uh, the next thing up for Melodyne. Uh, cause I only have essential and I would like to get assistant, uh, but I don't know if that's going to go on sale. I'd like to also get an actual auto-tune because it's kind of like a different thing. But uh, I was looking at, uh, I think it's Isotope's vocal synth because it's for like weird oh, yeah. vocal effects. Man, Isotope, I have a bunch of their stuff paid for and it's amazing. It's so good. Mm, their layouts good are so good, like the EQ layout and it shows you what it's doing. It's, it's fucking wicked. Yeah. Um, but And then the other thing that I wouldn't mind to get... Uh, I guess it's those two things, the the Melodyne and and the Isotope thing. I wouldn't mind having like some more um, like almost creative like movement effects. Like Output has this thing called Movement, and like you'd stick it on a you know a regular piano or Rhodes or like a synth, 
And then it's just going to introduce like almost like an LFO, like, oh, you know, maybe a filter sweep, like a really subtle one, or maybe a panning thing. And like, obviously, if I was creative enough or experienced enough with mixing, I would just do that. But it kind of does that for you. You know what I mean? Mm. And that'd be kind of cool. Uh, but I don't think any of that shit's going on sale. So I have to buy a new SSD, so I might do that. But There's a lot of, a lot of Wave stuff on sale right now. I think they got uh, wait. Waves has an auto tuner that's probably that would probably do it's the okay. thing you. Yeah, but like if you want to do the blocky yeah, auto tune thing, I'm sure it would yeah, do yeah. that quite reasonably yeah. well. It's probably on sale. Yeah, diamonds on sale. Like the the diamond bundles on sale for I think like 250 bucks or something. I wanted to like, buy the oh, API wow. use, but I'm not. I'm not. Oh, I they're so good, dude. Shit like that, dude. If you can get the stu. Yeah, if you can get the studio, it's called Studio Classics. They have a bundle with, uh, the, it's got the SSL, both the channel G-bus. strips, the bus compressor, oh, yeah. the API compressor, and the API 500 series EQs. If you can get that for cheap, it's called Studio Classics. I literally use those plugins on every thing I ever do. They sound so good. Bye. Uh, okay. Well, they're, I have to go. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I don't want to spend more money. Um. All right. Well, th- <laughs> thanks again, Rich. If if uh, people want to reach out to you and ask you more questions about drums, uh, where can they find you? Uh, uh, Instagram. I think it's at Pork Chop Drums. Pork Chop Drums. <laughs> uh, Silva at gmail.com. That's my email. Uh, yeah, that's all you need to know. Right on. And uh, people can find me at uh, Alro Music on all the social media platforms, uh, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Michael Hebs is at Bruno the Meek on Instagram. You can reach the podcast at musicguypodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, follow us on Instagram and YouTube as well. As, especially if you want to see these podcasts live as they're recorded on, on YouTube. We do stream them every week. Send us songs for Song of the Week. Send us questions. Send us love. Send us money if you want. Um, <laughs> send me <laughs> and, uh, money too. That's fine with me. Yeah. Send, uh, you know, send us leftover Halloween candy. Um, and we will uh, we'll we'll get back at you for another episode next week so just spread the word spread the love and uh thanks for listening we'll talk to y'all soon bye for now <laughs> <laughs>